0: This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3509 for Thursday the 13th of January 2022. Today's show is entitled, Linux In-laws S01E46. The Matrix Project, without Neo. and is part of the series, Linux In-laws, it is hosted by Monochrome, and is about 72 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, The Matrix Project without Neo.
1: Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back in an open plan office or similar environments, any minors under the age of 35 or any pets including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusty guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. This is Linux In-Law, Season 1, Episode 47. Martin, how are things?
0: Oh, I think so. Fine. And then maybe we have a special guest tonight. Indeed. But, but, before we,
1: but before we go into this, Basie Martin, why don't we bitch a little bit about the, about the weather and Brexit, as we usually do?
0: Well, why don't we bitch a little bit about what's happening in Germany for a change? <laughs> we
1: can. We can. Just go for it. How's it
0: going why, in what, Germany?
1: What's happening in Germany? Tell me. You see, Martin, I don't that's, get out that's, much, that's, so I wouldn't know.
0: Don't so you live there. Or is that um, yes? You, but are this you is not a able to your apartment anymore. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> well, it's called COVID. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough.
1: You may know yourself, Martin. I don't know. No, no, no we're,
0: we're all good over here. Yeah, yeah, all sorted.
1: Okay, Brexit or not, excellent.
0: <laughs> yep, yep, yep.
1: Okay, and without further ado, you now that the bitching part is over or it has been dealt with, <laughs> I'm more than happy to introduce um, Neil Johnson. Hello. Well, well, good evening. But Martin, why don't I really shut up now and you take it from
2: here?
0: Well, I think we'll need to let Neil introduce himself. Really?
2: Hello. Um, well, uh, I'm Neil. Uh, I'm here representing the uh, Matrix.org project, um, which is an open network for secure, decentralized communication. And really, what we're trying to do is create this open standard for instant messaging. Um, our, our sort of we have a broader vision, but right now, that's really that's really where we're at. Um, and the the whole the whole sort of sort of i guess the key into this is if you think about you know maybe the apps that you have on your phone today and you you know you maybe you have five six different messaging apps um and they're all walled gardens and they they, they can't interoperate uh, and so you have to remember who you talk to with you know you speak to this person with, with signal and this person um on um i don't know sms even or um, uh, or Telegram, or whatever it will be, um, and it's okay. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a bummer maybe to have to remember all of that. But there's something really important underneath all of this, which is if you're say you're using WhatsApp um, and you decide that you don't like um, some of the changes to um, uh, terms of service of that uh, of that service, you can't really leave, or you can, but if you do, you leave your social graph behind. Um, and that's, that's not a great situation to be in. And, and we think a matrix, it'd be much better if it was a bit like email where, uh, it's an open standard. So if you don't like your provider, you can just move. And in fact, if you own your own domain, you can just move completely transparently and no one even knows. But whatever the case, you can still carry on sending email and you can move from, from Gmail to Hotmail to self-hosted or, you know, what, whatever you want to do. Um, and with, with matrix, we, we kind of want to, Take, take the same kind of approach but applying it to instant messaging and, and, you know, taking a kind of more, um, you know, more modern approach to this because email is obviously 50 years old um, and fantastic technology had a huge impact in the world. Um, but what we're trying to do at Matrix is have the same sort of impact, but, you know, maybe for the next 50 years. And so um, what that means today is um, we have this open standard. We have. Um, lots and lots of different uh, implementations of the server technology and, and clients. Uh, everything is end-to-end encrypted. Uh, there's no single point of control. Uh, it's entirely decentralized. Um, and there's an open federation. Anyone can um, can spin up their own matrix server. No one can stop you. Um, all the code is uh, Apache 2 licensed. So you can just run wild with this. Um, and that, that's really what we've been doing. The In terms of actual people using this technology, it's a quite a wide range. It's at one end, um, particularly in the sort of open source communities world, Mozilla um, um, use Matrix now for all of their uh, community projects. Uh, we have Gnome and uh, KDE and Wikimedia also um, using Matrix and we have uh, W3C just very recently trialing. Um, so fingers crossed on that. Right the way through to the other end of the spectrum where really large governmental organizations and, and, and governments um, are adopting this technology as well. And what's, what's kind of interesting about that is um, having this kind of decentralized architecture is actually a really, really good fit for very, very big organizations that have a lot of structures and a lot of silos. They need to talk to themselves, but they don't necessarily want to share um, a share kit between themselves. So this is this project. Um, how's that for an intro? Uh, perfect. That was beautiful.
1: Thank you for listening, people. We'll see. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, we don't. No be- Before 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 we go into the nitty gritty uh, details of the project, maybe we can talk about a little bit about yourself. Oh sure. Uh, looking at your LinkedIn page, I see that you're heading from Cambridge. Why don't you tell us a bit, a little bit about Neil Johnson, where he comes from, and what actually took him to the project
2: um okay sure so i mean my background is uh as a as an engineer um and you know it was always you know as i think a lot of people in that in that discipline you are know, just always fascinated with uh taking things apart and uh hopefully putting them back together again um in a way that they, they largely work how they sort of used to um and so that was where my my studies took me and i was spending a lot of time around um probably more about signal processing than uh, than anything else. That was kind of my my passion. Um, But I ended up working um, in a communications company. Um, This was sort of about 20 years ago now. And um, it was this this cool technology called SMS. And uh, uh, it was a sort of not quite early days of SMS, but definitely um, uh, early enough where you could could still build some quite interesting businesses around it. and the reason I mentioned that company was I met a whole bunch of people who I would later um, work with on the Matrix project. So we were always talking about communications and we were always talking about uh, open standards. And um, one particular part of the company that I wasn't so so involved with, they were building a lot of communication apps for, um, for various different telecommunication companies. And the problem was they were building out an app for this one and for this one and for this one. And they just thought it was awful that they weren't actually talking to one another because these were over-the-top services these, these weren't sms um, um chat apps and from all of this came this idea of why on earth is there not you know is, is there not an open standard for um communications um and so that that was kind of sort of my my sort of route root within this um and the the matrix project um it's a um it's got a a wonderful uh community but in the very early days of matrix um we formed a a company um now, now called element which was really just designed to hire the core team from um from matrix so we could continue to um to build out the protocol um now i was sort of um off doing different different things by that point and working on all sorts of other um, weird and wonderful technologies. Um, but then I rejoined um, Element um, and joined the, um, the rest of the gang. And it was kind of a bit of a reunion in, in that sense, a lot of familiar faces, but we still had this same core passion of, look, you know, the way that people communicate is um, it's, it's so important and so personal. Uh, and we just think we need to make this as user centric as, as we possibly can. And that means choice and it means freedom. Um, and we just didn't think anybody was really doing that um or or, or doing that in, in a way that was gonna really cut 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 in and, and become mainstream. Um there, there were some projects on and still still running um that try and solve similarish kind of problems. Um so that's a little bit of sort of how I came to um get involved in this in this sort of stuff. Um it's also a super cool problem from a technical perspective you know how, how do you how do you build any of these services in a decentralized way where there's no central point of uh, control and order there's some there's some fascinating stuff stuff there so um so i'm a member of the matrix core team but i also work for element the this, this company that was originally there to hire the uh the matrix core team um our community has grown massively and massively and now we have Plenty of different companies contributing to it, and an even larger group of um, open source enthusiasts um, just just helping us make this better and better every day. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's my sort of day job. Um, is also uh, it's also kind of my hobby, so it's uh, um, it's, it, it's a nice uh, it's a nice mix
0: okay that's great. I mean the uh, we run it ourselves to, <clears throat> uh, to communicate uh, with our own installation as you mentioned it's something that is very easy to do and set up and um, uh, I just want to touch upon the, the sort of the federated element right it's mm. uh, that, that's something that um, uh, okay matrix as a as a foundation is is very strong in the in the in the you know what's called the manifesto um, that, um it's not a centralized communication system. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And um, uh, however, <laughs> in our instance, um, I'm running a completely isolated uh, version of, of Matrix with uh, users that I control and so on. So there is an option to do that as well, right? If you, yeah. if you choose to do so. But um, it's it maybe for the, um, you know, for the users that do use the WhatsApps and the other, um, let's say, uh, uh, communication, uh, Technologies out there. Uh, What is the the real reason for going for the the decentralized approach? Right? Is is that something that um, is really based on you know not not having a control? Is is kind of you know are are we thinking about uh, a communist principle here? (laughs) Would you like to sort of add to that a little bit?
2: Um, I mean, I'd say that there's a very strong um, political undercurrent with Matrix. I I I don't think that uh, I've ever heard anyone talk about it in in those sorts of terms. Um, the, I think the idea of making this decentralized was really about um, resilience um, and it being very, very difficult to keep a network sort of truly open when you have um, points of centralization because someone has to control those. <clears throat> I mean, we, we even find that even with a, the, the network being decentralized as it is, um, you know, where there are nodes that are significantly bigger than other nodes on the network, even that can have a kind of distorting effect. And so, for instance, the matrix.org node that we try and maintain and, and, and run, um, that's a—that's for the good of the community, but at the same time, like over time, we, we'd, we'd massively prefer it, that it wasn't the biggest node on the network and it was just one of a sort of bajillion others. Um, so it's really this sort of idea of, of kind of choice and freedom, um for your uh for how, for how your technology um serves your needs and, and and you know if if somebody wants to do this in a closed federation then that's absolutely uh, that's absolutely fine um and where we but where we want to get to at some point in the future is that the value of being part of that open federation is such that um that you know that most people would would, would want to go that way um, but there's all sorts of different use cases to this technology, and no no specific reason why you have to um, join that federation.
0: Okay, interesting. I, I, I thought it was um, so. Your original reason was really about the um, the, the having a central communications point to for resilience, rather than <laughs> let's say the the, the political um, reasons or or the. Options, um, I mean know. I mean I think I is
2: think there right? is yeah. I think there is a political angle in as much as um, it's it, it's very hard to envisage how this sort of system could remain truly open if if you had points of centralization within it so if you genuinely if your goal is um, it to be an open standard that anybody could join then this decentralized decentralization piece is is really important to that. Um, because the moment you don't have that and you have um, reliance on a much smaller group of, of parties, then that group of course has a lot of control over how the, how that technology might, might develop over time or might, might, might move over time. So I think there is a sort of political element in, in that regard, um, but I wouldn't say that the Matrix project is sort of aligned with a specific broader political movement.
1: Not even a little bit of communism in there. Surely disappointed. Joking. (laughs) (laughs) No, Neil, uh, fair fair question. When I take a look at the, just tacking on this, on this, on this, on this federation approach a little bit longer. About two thirds, I reckon, of the community events in Germany, including Camtasia Days, and other and other open source uh, and open source community events, now have switched over to Matrix as their main means for communication before, during, and after the event. Uh, thanks to COVID, these events have been switched to an online mode for the last one and a half years. Right. The Chemnitzelino saga uh, taking place this year probably being the best example. What I really liked about the whole thing is, and you got this spot on with the, with the, with the comparison to email, um, when you take a close look at it, email is really a federated system because you set up a mail transfer agent and then these these MTAs talk to each other based on the domain specification, similar to Matrix, but Matrix allows you to do much more things. And this is the reason why full disclosure. We have been using um, a Synapse reference, a Synapse instance, which is, if I'm not completely mistaken, the reference implementation of the Matrix foundation, of the Matrix protocol, since we ever set up this podcast about one and a half, more than one and a half years ago.
2: Oh, cool! Brilliant.
1: And. This whole federation thing wasn't in the focus area when we first decided upon a communication channel between the two of us because Martin is living in, in the UK. I'm living in Germany and we use. Element in addition to synapse all the time to communicate during the shows, after the shows, before the shows, we do our synchronization slots over, over, over synapse and all the rest of it. So uh, we have found this piece of technology very valuable, even in a non, in a vertical, not uh, in, in a non federated fashion. Why don't we change tech a little bit and why don't you? Speak a little bit about, about the technology behind Synapse and Element, if that's okay with you.
2: Sure, sure, absolutely. So, um, so Synapse is a uh, Python app. Um, it uh, it's got it's got the same history, I think, of pretty much any uh, uh, any piece of software that sort of gains some sort of um, uh, traction. In that, uh, you know, when, when we came up with the idea of doing this as an open standard. What we really didn't want to have happen was that it was kind of, you write the standard and then further down the line, you go, you go about trying to build some implementations. We wanted this to be implementation-led. Um, and to this day, um, when you want to make a uh, proposal to um, augment the matrix spec, um, you can, anyone can do that, but you have to show up with a working implementation. Um, and so that first working implementation um, was uh, was Synapse, and we put it out there. And uh, all of a sudden, we, we sort of realized that, um, goodness gracious, we're in production uh, with what was originally you know, a proof of concept.
1: Globally, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then we had a lot of work to do um, because you've got to go and... Um, you know, you've got to go and sort of move this along you've got to evolve the architecture so that it can be much more resilient and scalable and all, all, all these kind of good things and you've got to do it while while you, you know you're seeing lots and lots and lots of new users joining the whole time so your um, your landscape is changing uh, and also the topology of the network is changing um, rapidly as lots of new nodes um, join so um, so that's where we've that's where we've been with Synapse. Um it's uh uses Twisted for its networking. Um aside from that, um like we've we've are pretty sort of framework-light uh in, in in terms of what's there. Um and um and, and Postgres uh, Postgres as a as a data store. We've recently taken on uh, Redis for um uh for some message passing, and I think we'll start using it more and more for caching as well. Um the thing that uh um, is, is making me chuckle about the Synapse team is they're all secretly desperate uh, to, to write more Rust. Um, and so the, the structure of it means I could imagine some services getting split out. And as soon as we do that, um, you know, it may be, maybe the language isn't quite so important. So uh, um, yeah, we might find that we wanna go for a Rust implementation for some of the more um, performance sensitive pieces.
1: Oh, this is very, this is very interesting. Uh, maybe we can shed some more light on the language choice initially, why Python and why you are now introducing a mixture, if I understand this correctly, for synapse of Rust and Python, because, full disclosure, you're not the only project doing that.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, Python initially, because, um, you know, it's a great language to prototype in. Uh, i think i think it was i think it was as far as that you know in, in 2014 we didn't we didn't really know um if this could be successful or not and uh python seemed a pretty good um uh language choice at that at that moment so that i think was the the reason i wasn't um working on the project at that at that time but um as far as i'm aware that's that that was the reason um, I mean, I remember them talking about it, and it was like, "Oh, yeah, they're just they're just prototyping in Python." Sure, that's uh, that seems like a yeah, a, a reasonable call. Um, I mean, I should also mention that um, there are there are multiple home server implementations. Um, there is uh, Dendrite, which is um, what, what we would describe as the sort of kind sort of a second generation um, um, server implementation. That's written in Go. Um, and the choice, language choice there was really that you know, Go is, is there for systems programming, and it's, it's a pretty good match for um, the sort of things you need to do to run a um, communication system. And you know, particularly things around concurrency, it's, it's very well set up for that. Um, but there are also um, other community-derived implementations. I think probably the most promising um, being Conduit, which is um, uh, another Rust implementation. Uh, and they all have slightly different um, uh, design goals as well at, at this point. Um, but for instance, the, uh, the Dendrite implementation is backing a lot of the matrix peer-to-peer demos. Actually, I shouldn't call them demos anymore. They're, they're really starting to uh, mature. But you know, if you're, if you're really on board with this idea of decentralization and the protocol supports that, then there's really no reason why you can't just run the server on your phone. Um, and we're proving that right now, and we're using Dendrite to um, um, to develop that project. And of course, it has uh, a much smaller resource usage fi- uh, footprint than um, something like Synapse, and it's easier to run it natively on on various um, uh, sort of devices. Uh, so, um, so there's lots of different approaches flying around. Um, what's been interesting to watch the development of Synapse and Dendrite is that. A lot of the ideas that underpin the architecture of Dendrite were in response to things we learned from from Synapse. But then gradually, 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 we've been sort of evolving Synapse towards um, that same kind of architectural uh, set of patterns. Um, So that's the sort of whistle-stop tour of of the various technologies. I mean, talking about Dendrite briefly, uh, you can run that as a monolith or you can run that in a um, highly distributed manner. Uh, and that uses Kafka for, um, for message passing between the various um, services. Um, and again, it's backed, um, uh, back, back with Postgres as well. I, uh, I don't, I, I don't some... know where you'd like me to go. No, yeah, no,
0: I wanted to pick up on something you, you started off with is that um, you had uh, a number of your developers wanting to pick up the, the Rust piece. Um, is that, I mean, there's obviously a number of reasons why that could be. One is they want to, they're like Rust and <laughs> the programming Rust. But um, uh, from a pure technical perspective, is there a, a reason that some of the parts that require a more um, uh, performant language, uh, is, is that the reason why they want yeah, to do it? Yeah,
2: it's exactly that. Um, particularly um, what, what we would call state resolution of a, of a particular room. Um, that can become quite a heavy operation when you have a room that has um, multiple servers, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of independent servers all participating in that room and they all need to independently arrive at the same conclusion of what's actually happening in that room. Um, And you could imagine that that problem could become quite complex once you start introducing network failures, latency, um you know various nodes just disappearing and so not being clear where to where to get your information from Uh, and all of that combined um, can create you know know, quite considerable load Um, and of course you can architect this in a way that um, that scales horizontally but still your straight line speed is is also important uh, and we've definitely seen some value um, in uh, in that, I mean, my my general sort of thought here is that you know, if you get your architecture right, then um, you know your language choice can complement that, and you really should just focus on focus on architecture. But you know, at, at some level, um, you know, Rust is there as a systems programming language, Go is there for, for the same sort of reasons, uh, and they're 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 very good. Um, um, sort of there's a very good mapping between that kind of mentality and the sorts of problems that they're designed to solve and building out communication systems.
1: Interesting perspective there. Full disclosure, I had a couple of challenges with element. That's the reason why I decided to pull down the source code and compile it myself last okay. weekend. And that's exactly the point in time when I discovered Element. As an at least, what is it, one seven thirty three, one seven thirty four, actually needs Rust as a dependency locally installed. That means, if I got this correct, you are thinking about introducing Rust to Synapse, but also are using already Rust on the client side.
2: Oh yeah, on the um, yeah on the desktop app.
1: Yeah, yes, that, sorry,
2: that, that's for um, client side uh, uh, message search and the reason was performance actually the reason i think was the um the chap who has been building out um a search for us he is the lead developer on the matrix rust sdk um <laughs> okay. so, that, so that that's his language of choice um and so it was um it it was quicker and easier for him to reuse some of the work that he had done there um in this uh, in this context, I suspect there probably is also an argument for performance. But as far as I'm aware, um, you know, the the sort of inertia around the project meant that Rust was the uh, the obvious choice.
1: I mean, the desktop app is essentially a mixture of a JavaScript framework called Electron, if mm. I'm not completely mistaken, and Rust and JavaScript and some other technology components, right? Uh, yeah. And you're not concerned about the technical depth you're introducing with that? Zoo.
2: Well, I mean, firstly, we're trying to move. This is, of course, a
1: challenging question.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. I, I understand. (laughs) I mean, um, the, I mean, using Electron is is really a pragmatic decision. Um, So we build it out equally for web um, and and the desktop client. uh, And Electron allows us to uh, to then provide a, a sort of native desktop client. Um, which also, then, from a packaging point of view, allows us to um, to do things like client-side search in um, uh, in, in Rust. Uh, we don't have, and, and this and this is for um, specifically for uh, encrypted rooms. Um, if you're using the web client, uh, this this doesn't support um, client-side search. Uh, and instead, it's it's all server side search, so you only get search for um, uh, unencrypted rooms, so like you know, maybe public rooms, that that sort of that sort of thing. Um, so with our um, with our search and our cryptography uh, infrastructure, we, I mean, the bounds of that are very um, are very well defined, um, and as a result of that, uh, we're okay with the complexity that that that, that adds. Um. So that that's really the decision making process uh, around it. But I will say, going back to Synapse, one of my biggest concerns um, of adopting Rust and having a sort of hybrid kind of project is, of course, it adds a lot of uh, complexity to packaging. Um, it, you you need developers who feel comfortable across multiple technologies, uh, and so that definitely does add. Um, complexity, and you need to think about that very, very carefully before you really, um, uh, really commit. So, I think where we're at at the moment is there's there's a lot of enthusiasm for it, but we haven't we haven't all sort of looked at us each other and looked ourselves in the eyes and said, "Are we actually going to do this?" Um, that's still very much a uh, uh, for discussion point because it would be a significant um, a burden to take on, but. Um, we think that there could also be some really, really great advantages with it too.
0: Great, right, great. Right. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to pick up on something else you, you mentioned as well is um, the, the use of, of Postgres or Redis. Um, clearly, I run it uh, myself on uh, with, with Postgres being a longstanding Postgres fan. But um, was is the introduction of Redis something that you notice when you are running your own matrix.org um, uh, instance? Is is how many users do you have on there? And is that a, is using Postgres there the reason for introducing Redis or are there other reasons for doing that?
2: Oh, so um, so the reason to... We, we use Redis for for message passing between processes. So because yeah, it's yeah. Python, we've got our main process, um, you've got your global interpreter lock, um, so we actually end up spinning up a bunch of other processes and they, they need to talk to each other somehow. Uh, and initially, we ended up with a kind of homegrown uh, PCP orientated um, uh, system that, you know, was fine when we first started out. But um, you know, building that kind of technology in a really, really robust, resilient way is, is a hard problem. And lots of people have already spent a lot of time fixing that problem. And, um, and the folks at Redis have certainly have certainly done that. So really, this was a means to help us. Um, Improve the reliability and resilience of message passing within Synapse itself. That that was the reason that we adopted it. So if you're running a Synapse um, without worker processors, um, then Redis doesn't really get you very much um, or, or anything at all. Um, but if you are running workers, um, and you know, uh, I think, I mean, Matrix doesn't scale or Matrix servers don't scale with the number of users. It's more the complexity of the rooms that they participate in. Um, but the moment you start joining you know multiple rooms with hundreds of people in them then you may wish to configure it um, with with worker processes uh, so matrix.org is the largest node on the open federation and that's the one that's really helped us understand how to uh, how to scale um, uh, how to scale the synapse uh, it's always pushing the boundaries of what everyone else needs to do. So, by the time everyone else catches up, then uh, hopefully we've we've dealt with some of those problems um, before they get there. Um, so, I guess that's the um, that's that's our sort of sort of landscape, I suppose. Um, I mean, in terms of of the user numbers, I mean there is an awful lot, and it depends a lot how you count it because Matrix not only um uh, is its own protocol it's also written in a way that means that it's easy to interoperate and so we interoperate with lots of other networks um, and you know, sometimes that's really easy like uh, uh where it's where other open protocols like irc or xmpp sometimes it's a a little bit trickier like uh bridging into maybe slack or um you know whatsapp or something like that uh, but those those users are then also matrix users on the matrix side and then of course sort of native for whatever protocol they're using on on their side so it's quite hard to give sort of concrete numbers um but um I mean let's let's say orders of magnitude let's say we're talking millions um, and um yeah when you do that you you need um, you need to separate out your processes and we found redis was a really great way to 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 achieve it. That said, um, we're still just running it across uh, three different VMs. Um, So we're not seeing this as sort of, you know, supercomputer kind of territory. Sorry, excuse me. But yeah, that Redis has definitely enabled us to uh, scale that message passing piece.
1: Uh, Interesting, because Martin and myself, I reckon, uh, or at least used to be Reddit boys, <laughs> that's the reason why why we're asking or oh, why well, I'm asking uh, why well, Martin asked that question. You touched on a very interesting perspective. Bridges. Mm-hmm. If I take a look at about fifty percent of my telegram groups that I'm in, um all of them actually have matrix bridges. Which I find more than fascinating because that tells a lot about the community's effort to make things work even outside the federated ecosystem called matrix
2: yeah so um to bridging is really interesting because it's probably the area that is the sort of um gateway for for if you're um i forgive the pun of how people really get into matrix because it the the possibilities it really opens it it's right there in front of you you know you can just talk to your friends on WhatsApp from your, um, from your Matrix client. And you can also talk to your friends on Slack and so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, th- I guess the downside with bridges is you're always limited to the sort of lowest common denominator between the two protocols. Um, but there's so much um, community effort, core team effort uh, to try and make those bridges just, just work as well as they possibly can um, the, uh, that it makes this really sort of vibrant ecosystem sort of outside the, um, confines of matrix, which is just, just really, really exciting. More, more, more than interesting,
1: Neil. Okay. Let's take a step back, given the success or track record of matrix, where do you see this project going? Not just in terms of technical progress, but also, <laughs> Painting the bigger picture here what my domination.
2: <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> I think that the thing that's important to realize with Matrix is that while today um, the primary use case is for chat, um, but all, all it really is is a means to pass about arbitrary data across the internet in real time, and so you can just see it as a sort of fairly generic. Um, messaging there for for the internet um, and I think that's sort of long term where we think this technology will, will sort of add most value and wherever you wish to share information and that real-time um, component <laughs> is important to you then matrix ought to be able to um, support that use case so in the sort of relatively short term I guess this means things like you, know, you could do forum software. Um, you could do um, collaborative documents, um, so like a uh, like a Google Docs clone. Uh, we have somebody working um, on that project right now at Element, just as a sort of R and D project. Um, you could do um, you could implement you know services like Twitter in um, uh, in Matrix. Um, and there's a sort of offshoot project called uh, Blue Sky that's that's sort of sort of doing exactly that um so these are the sorts of ways that we'd love to see matrix evolve um you know obviously we would like we we think that an open standard is the right way for a um instant messenger to or instant messaging technology to to exist and to be and so we'd like to see that just grow and grow and grow um we'd like to see the ability to bridge into other services and to interoperate just become sort of the norm and um, and the kind of expectation, so that anyone can talk to anyone who chooses to. And, and you know, as a user, you, you obviously have a lot of control of your own experience, so um, you, know, you can choose who you talk to. But then broader than that, yeah, it's this idea of exchanging data in real time across the internet and just basically creating that layer, uh, which doesn't really exist fully today, um, for, for anyone to use. Okay,
0: got it. Yeah, no, it. Uh, I mean, um, what sort of struck me when we first started using Matrix is that uh, it's very much uh, aimed at, at IM, right? And um, yeah, uh, lots of the other platforms are, um, uh, you know, looking at audio and video and uh, screen sharing and all kind of things. Um, are you' i mean looking at some of the the things you put out on your blog out right is that something that you can see happening with with matrix or is there a oh
2: yeah decision? absolutely so i just i didn't i didn't touch on that at all did i um and uh, also virtual reality is uh, um a sort of very interesting uh, um direction and, and, and case for us we think this would be a good way to sort of communicate in, in that kind of setup but you know as part of um you know if you're using a Collaboration app like like Element, um, you know, it's partly chat, but you care about voice, you care about video, um, and we feel that we've got to invest in those in those sorts of areas as well, or all, or, or you know, within within that app, uh, it's got to be end-to-end encrypted because you know that's that, that's our bag, uh, and so actually um, uh, earlier today I got to uh, use our our prototype of. Um, a sort of video conference end-to-end encrypted video conference. Um, I mean, it, because you're not compositing server side, um, you, you know, you really can't have too many streams all at once. But we had it working pretty well with with six or seven. Um, and yeah, you know, we just see this as a sort of core part of what we need to what we need to do. Um, the background of the core team, um, including myself actually, was building out um, video telephony codecs and um, so this is always an area that we kind of wanted to um, uh, return to and um, what we what we discovered particularly over the last last couple of years is um, there's this enormous need not only for chat but also for voice and video and we better make sure that um, the voice and video support we have in element just works really really well Uh, so that's what we're doing i guess shortish term Um, and then you know, much much longer term. Um, I mean, you know, I, I was sort of, I was sort of joking a little bit when I was talking about virtual reality, but we think that that could be really really interesting for what we do. Um, there's all sorts of Internet of Things uh, applications as well. Um, again, this this isn't really an area where we've sort of tried to um, directly support, but you know, you can see that uh, if you could make a sufficiently uh, lightweight and low powered um, uh, matrix implementation, then that could be really, really valuable because of the um, uh, interop and standards-based approach. Uh, so, I think chats are core, but if you're making a collaboration app, you're also you have to consider voice and video um, as first-class citizens. Definitely, and, and are you thinking of adding recording to that as well, by any chance? <laughs> oh goodness, yeah. Yeah. Uh, In fact, um, oh God, you've just
1: made our day, Neil. Uh, We are really looking forward to this version. Please keep us posted.
2: Yeah, if it's not really, um, if it's not, I'm I'm trying. I'm trying to remember if we've actually shipped it in the main uh, mainstream release or it's just our developer channels. But but voice recording um, is is here. Uh, You can use it right now. Um, And um, who do who do I have to kill? I'm joking. No, no killing. You don't even need to kill. Um, I'm just really annoyed at myself for not knowing the. Uh, uh, no no the worries. Release date, um, but it's real soon now. If it's no, um, I mean
1: seriously, just send me a mail, and I'm going to include this into into the show notes uh, because it this may hmm. be the the grail that it, that we've been looking for for the last one and a half years.
2: Hey, this would. Uh, I mean, <laughs> hang on. I'm, just while we're talking, I'm, I'm looking at a document called Voice Message Release Plan, dated okay, cool. 29th <laughs> of July this year. Okay, I can tell you. Um, Out of the press. The, t- the team are not <laughs> like giving you a date, but uh, um, I'm going to very conservatively say you'll have it in September. How about that?
1: Um, and this is part of Synapse, then, or how does it work? Can you shed more light on the details? I- I'm pretty sure we are the only people interested in this. No other people will care about this.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Everyone's going to care about it. All right, all
1: right. Go ahead. Full disclosure. People, you heard it here first. Linux in lost the place to be. Full disclosure. You get it here. The latest.
2: <laughs> the yeah, v- go right.
1: ahead. The floor's yours.
2: <laughs> I, I just want to make sure we're talking about the same things. This is a voice message recording. So I can, I don't want to type. I just say, hey, Chris great uh, great podcast, and then I send you that. Yes. Um,
1: so what that's about what, want... what about recording voice calls?
2: Oh, right. Uh... That's what we're getting at. <laughs> oh, now I've got you all excited. Um... Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the... exactly what, what we would be looking for.
0: Yes, that would be the one.
1: <laughs> that yeah. would be the one, yes? That would be the kind of feature.
0: They would have saved us a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed
2: so the reason we don't have that is because typically all oh, no. that is for um conferences like like multiple people uh and the way that that works in uh matrix today is we we basically build um uh around a a service called jitsi um that you serious uh, yeah yeah oh, it's really dear. Serious. okay, yes we do. Um, and um, and it and it, and it really serves our purpose. I mean, we we obviously want to do this natively ourselves, um, but um, but this is this is what we use, and so we use their stack and we use Jibri to do the recordings. Um, so, Welcome to hell. <laughs> so I'm afraid we <laughs> don't don't
1: have, uh, so, Sorry, full full disclosure. For one and a half years, not only within the context of this podcast, also among other communities. I've tried and failed to use Jibri to record GC's, GC sessions. Let's put it more diplomatically with very limited success. This platform doesn't scale, I'm afraid. Even the public instances you get from from the project itself that put recordings into Dropbox are not really scalable.
2: All right, to to just to, you know, Back up my pals at uh at, at Jitsi. I mean we, we ran FOSTEM off the back of this. Uh, and we did all the recordings for um that conference. Um and uh, all of the video Neil, support was, was was based on was based on Jitsi
1: and I know this because I was part of this year Fostem when it was all virtual. Right. I, I've yet to see the pull requests. But of the magic that they apparently did in the background to make this happen, because they couldn't have used native B. <laughs> this um, is my assumption. I hope I'm wrong.
2: <laughs> I think. I think. I don't know for certain. Uh, I don't think we made any um, any changes. I think it was all configuration change. I, I think that's the case.
1: Again, this is magic. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the integration technical details because as I said, we have been tried, we have been trying and we failed.
2: Okay, I know who to put you in touch with. Thank um, you. I'm very happy to Much put you in touch much appreciated.
1: With, uh... Okay, Martin, over to you. Enough moaning.
0: Uh, now the um, the one, the other thing that you mentioned just briefly a moment ago was the I mean, you're thinking about doing something with VR and um, uh, to, to be honest, VR chat is the, probably one of the second highest used applications on, on things like Steam and what have you. Mm-hmm. So, what is the reasoning behind to, to add something like that? Is that the reason because you are already a decentralized platform that you want to give people the opportunity to use it in that way, or is there just purely adding uh, more services to it?
2: Um, I mean, at the moment, we're right at the sort of blue sky stage with this project um, you know we, we we think that this could be extremely powerful um, we think that you know the promise of VR um, will, will will you know is, is is there perhaps we don't live in the reality of that today um, but you know the work that we're doing here we, we need we need a mix of um, horizons. You know, we need to do the things we need to do right now to to grow our immediate ecosystem. We need to be looking a little bit ahead in the future, and so the sorts of projects that are more futuristic are um, well, actually, peer to peer is not that futuristic anymore, but it, it, we used to think of it that way. Um, VR very much is. We've uh, we've just hired someone to to work in this area, um, and and actually he he's the person working on the um, um, full mesh video calling, right now. And once he does that, he'll he'll sort of move move more towards uh, the VR use case. Um, and and then the other area that I sort of touched on earlier was the sort of um, you know basically applications beyond chat generally. And you know, could you do collaborative documents kind of things? Who knows? Who knows if we can really make that work? Uh, we, we 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 kind of we're kind of sort of optimistic on that. So um, it's not part of a sort of um, immediate strategy that we can just bolt on and be able to say confidently, uh, VR first class citizen. It's much more that we just think that um, this is a really really interesting avenue. We think that the doing this as an open standard um, just offers so much value, um, and you know, as VR really starts to become more and more um, um, ingrained. Then you know we want to be there, and we want to have had already, you know, a good few years under our belt of trying to solve these kind of problems, because you know it's going to be you know, a challenge to get it to get it really right. Uh, so that that's basically the thinking um, behind this.
0: I don't know it's just exciting stuff. It's still very much um, the, the domain of gamers right now, isn't it? Uh, VR, uh,
2: yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It is, um, and, and and we just you know, it seems like a reasonable assumption to think that um, it will become probably pretty broader and um, more mainstream over time. Um, and, yeah, we just kind of want to get ahead of that.
0: No, no, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's uh, certainly something that I think has taken off quite a bit, especially in the uh, in, the, in the COVID times. <laughs> to be fair. Right, um, right. And uh, so, so completely changing uh, the something a little bit... Um, uh, the, the, I mean, the, uh, the commercialization of of with of element right? How do you see that um, influence in the project, if at all? And um, what is the objective there? Is that purely uh, enterprise support for people who uh, want to run it as an alternative to, say, a Slack or something like that? Is is that the idea behind it?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, Element makes money in two ways. It's either through um, basically support and and, uh, and services, and the other way is through hosting. So um, while anybody can run their own uh, matrix stack, um, maybe they would like us to do it for them, and we'd be happy to basically, um, provide that. And that tends to be, um, you, you know, I don't want to say smaller, but... Um, you know, maybe maybe like you' a few hundred or a thousand a thousand people like that 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 might be a good place um, um, to, to look at a hosting business if you are a um, really large organization maybe maybe a government um, and you have millions of people that you need on the service then maybe you also have requirements around needing to host it within your own infrastructure and all, all, all that kind of stuff um, then we will help achieve that and and maintain that. Um, But the thing that's really interesting about all of this is the um, The sort of organizations that want to work with us are choosing us because this is an open-source project um, And they can be very transparent and what's more um, The work that we do with them. It's not that we do something completely bespoke for them It's much more that they will look at our roadmap and say oh hey, here's this really good feature like um, like video recording say Um, You're going to do it, but you're not going to do it anytime soon. We'd like to whack it Audio recording,
0: Audio recording, sorry. (laughs) Audio recording, sorry.
2: Um, And, uh, um, you know, would you you accelerate this work if we were to fund it? Um, And at which point we say yes. And the thing that's really nice about that is then all of this work is available not just to that customer, but also to the community at large. Um, And that's a really important part of how we're... Um, managing our um, commercial operations and, and, and deals because we think that compounding effect is really, really uh, important. Um, so so that's, that's how the sort of commercial angle um, is sort of, that's the kind of the landscape, I suppose. Um, and it's really for us then to sort of help these sorts of organizations figure out how to get the most out of matrix. And... Um, of course, the more we do this with various different places, you know, they, they all have similar-ish kind of needs. So because it, we have this compounding effect of as much as we possibly can getting into the mainstream community release, um, it means we then already have these capabilities for, um, for others in the future.
1: Interesting perspective on the on the on the way forward. Apart from the integration of blockchain technologies and quantum computing, is there anything that we should touch upon we, before we close off this show? Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, of course, wasn't a joke. <laughs> yeah, no, I got that one. Uh, what, what other things um, are important? Um, no, look, I think we've I think we've covered off the main things. I mean, I'd say one area that is very important for us right now um, is that if you're building out an open an open network, you have to take um, trust and safety and abuse really, really seriously. Um, and you've really got to build this in as a first class citizen from you know from as early as as you possibly possibly can. And we've all seen um, other communication networks or social media services that you have I'm sure now really dedicated great teams working in this area but it's very hard for them to have the the impact and the effect that they that they need to be having. Um, and so this is an area where the Matrix project is, um, is, is investing heavily in and trying to build out uh, tools I guess for ourselves initially and then to share those tools with so that any um, any matrix community can can reuse them, uh, and and the ethos here is to not only provide tools for moderators of rooms and communities, but also to give tools to the user themselves. So um, you know, as, if you're navigating an open network, you should have um, the ability to say say something about the experience that you're that you're willing to have. Like maybe you're completely fine to see the whole gory. Internet slash Matrix ecosystem, and and you don't want any, um, any kind of filtering on that, or you say, well, look, there's certain things I'm just not interested in, and I don't want to, I don't want to see as I use as I use Matrix, and you should you should have the control yourself to, uh, uh, to do that. Um, so we're in early stages with some of these projects um, on the community tools. We're um, a lot further down the line, um, and so I'll just call it out because it's it's an area that. Um, you know, any chat app, we, we just sort of feel like everyone should be talking about and trying to share their experience and trying to, and trying to improve across the board. Uh, so it would be remiss of me not to mention it and not to make it very clear uh, how much time we're spending on, um, um, on on these sorts of projects.
1: And I reckon, needless to say, for anybody who wants to be part of this revolution, um, the places on GitHub will be in the show notes as in the as in Snaps reference implementation as well as
2: Elements yeah absolutely i mean and you know because of the nature of it if you look at our kit and you don't like it and you can do better just go and write your own client and write your own server and uh join the uh join the party um but absolutely um there are um i mean we've got a a wonderful community lots of chat rooms that you can join to to get you going um full-time jobs Um, Element are hiring I think a few other companies in the ecosystem are hiring as well Um, so uh, yeah if you like any of the sound of any of this um, come and have a chat or or reach me on uh, uh, on matrix I'll share my uh, my handle and can maybe put those in the um, the notes as well
1: yes please thank you Neil and people you are here first if you want to get rich and be part of the revolution element is the place to join apparently and with that, it takes us right into the poxies. Uh The poxies is something called the picks of the week. Essentially, it's something that we all take our guests through in terms of something that has crossed your mind, Neil, that you think uh within the last week or two is worth mentioning. Can be anything. We rarely have government comments or political views, but rather most of the stuff revolves around books, movies, whatever, but anything goes. So, uh, if you want oh. to show your political views, that's fine too.
2: Oh goodness! Oh, you put me on the spot, and my mind has gone absolutely blank.
1: There is uh, a, there's an go. open source project called Element. <laughs> you might be tempted to mention, <laughs> but you don't well, have to. Do yeah, that's okay.
2: <laughs> well, hey, I tell you what. I mean, it is it is sort of political, but um, and it but it's relevant to Element. Um, i um, I think that uh one of the things rattling through the EU right now that I was really fascinated to hear was they're trying to figure out oh we've got these enormous tech companies and we don't quite know what to do with them and the old systems of the last century of how you how you deal with um monopolistic practice like they just don't seem to be working what are we going to do about this um and there seems to be real consideration going over to the idea that if you're going to run a service like uh like a facebook or um Um, or even a a WhatsApp or an Instagram, then you need also to provide a certain level of interoperability. So suddenly this can't be a walled garden anymore. Uh, And instead, this has to be uh, something where others can interoperate and they can build their own clients. Uh, And I was astonished to see this because it's an incredibly um, nuanced and and a thoughtful approach um, to the problem. Um, I think it's in very early stages from a legislation point of view, and I don't want to embarrass myself by misquoting the the, uh, the legislation, but I'm sure I can uh, hunt it down. Um, and I just think that's not something that's happened in the last two weeks, but I do think it's um, something I found utterly extraordinary, and I was delighted to, uh, delighted to hear it.
1: Details, of course, people will be in the show notes. Uh, Martin, anything on your side with regards to worth mentioning?
0: Uh, and boxes, boxes. No, I don't have any boxes this week. You don't have any boxes. Not no, even uh, the,
1: the great nation of of the UK leaving the uh, leaving the uh, European Union or something. Oh, that, no, no, that was quite some
0: time ago. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, but
1: the ripple effects are still so, <laughs> so visible. Okay, in that case, it's it's onto my boxes actually, and it's an author called Tara Pratchett. Unfortunately, he's longer he's no longer with us. And, um, I'm not, I'm not mentioning any particular books, but there's, of course, the Disworld, World uh, series details, of course, will be in the show notes. So if you are looking for something funny in a fantasy slash sci-fi context with a little bit of a spin on the stories, Terry Pratchett is the author to read. There's only about what? 20,747 books on this world alone so it'll be a jiffy over the weekend no worries jokes aside uh, links will be in the show notes and i also rec- i also heavily recommend the children's book that he wrote uh, that he wrote for children of course of all ages martin uh, we do have feedback
0: we do we do we have two bits of feedback in yes, fact indeed. on episode 49 you want so... to read it
1: out and then i can
0: Yeah, shall we start with the short one? Uh, Okay, short one. So episode 49 was about uh, version control. Yes, Yes, Um, so comment posted by Trey. He says, thanks for sharing. I have been managing versions of configuration files locally on my system, and you have inspired me to use GitHub instead. We shall see how it goes. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you, Trey.
1: Yes, indeed. The, the most important Brilliant. remark, of course, is, and that goes in line with our mm. numbers, is actually the last one. Keep up the yes. awesome <laughs> work. I hope. He means us.
0: Uh He could be meaning GitHub, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft, if you're listening, the email address is sponsored <laughs> Linux in last time. Indeed, indeed. I think they have done a splendid job there. <laughs>
1: David Meyer, if you're listening, I think the christmas episode is actually that was the one that was published before this one is actually Mm. the one basically that tops full disclosure (laughs)
0: yes
1: (laughs) if i'm completely mistaken but don't worry about it that's definitely (laughs) the record number full disclosure (laughs) indeed okay uh yes anything to add martin before i read the next more comprehensive feedback
0: no no very kind (laughs) of of trey and uh yeah i mean Hey, it was just an idea we had to talk about vision control and as uh, inspired people to use things like GitHub. Then uh, excellent. Yes.
1: Yeah, perfect. E- exactly. And needless to say, you don't have to use GitHub. You can you can mm. use your own GitLab instance or, or GitHub or something. Yes. Shameless teaser, there will be an episode forthcoming where we, to, where we will go into a little bit of detail about GitHub and how to use this in a static HTML generator context. Stay tuned. Ah, yes. That was requested Indeed. by someone. Yes. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, Ken, if you're listening, this is your episode.
0: Mm. Well, Ken in- is everything, I believe. Mean. Well, almost he yes.
1: <laughs> uh, yep. I, yeah. But by the way, be, um, it might make sense actually if you read out the the comment from feedback uh, from Biku. Sorry, because in that case, okay. I can explain the fuck up.
0: Okay, sure. Right. So our favorite uh, commentator or yes. uh, f- feedbacker, whatever the word for it is, Biku. He has he has uh, spent another a bit of time writing a spend a bit of feedback which goes as follows right uh, again on episode 49 uh flux faulty flux capacitor or faulty version control or sacked employees is his subject right hello dr zimmerman and martin do you have not do you you have two n's in zimmerman or not Uh, don't
1: worry about it and Mm. Biku we do love your feedback, but unfortunately, marketing puts the time limit on this episode, <laughs> so we're going to shorten this about for about two sentences. It is okay. But, but Biku, don't worry about it. Keep okay. Writing anyway, the the the, the, yes, the
0: indeed, indeed, keep writing. So, uh, because main main feedback is that something, I think something's broken in your flux capacitor. If nothing is broken, then needs, then you need to ditch Git and replace it with something that's simpler and superior, like Dark's fossil or mercurial, even. Why? Because if your flux capacitor is not broken and surely it has to be your version control system. And it is Git, as you guys mentioned in this very episode. If that too is okay, then I'm afraid Martin needs a fire host, fireless <laughs> first production employees. Uh, that's not bad advice yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has been considered. It has been considered. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Because Linux podcast version jumps to episode number 49, straight from episode 43, skipping five episode numbers. Oh, my God. let me interrupt you here. If you go yes. near the
1: post-production st- uh, po- staff, because <laughs> they are under my personal protection.
0: Ah. Well, maybe so they should benefit from saying. a math course, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but, but, but please do go on. <laughs> spend, spend some money on training these people. <laughs> Thank right. you. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? Uh, right, so this episode on version Control System was excellent, as always. Informative and entertaining. Kudos. Uh, Gits, yes, thank you, B- Biko. Indeed. Indeed. Sorry, Chris. Carry on. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, he he carries on. He carries on. Uh, Gits' history is very colorful, full of ideals, egos, ethics, necessities, betrayals, full of great drama in short. And it involves a hero. who is willing to put ideals and ethics aside to reach his goal his amigos aren't ready to ditch their ethics at any point uh, at and and at point hmm? oh, sorry i don't understand that bit they are almost fell apart and parted ways the story also has a villain who is not willing to let go his control and lose possession of a secret magical formula that everyone wants but no one has many of our hero's friend tried to find, yeah. tried but failed to find his formula then comes the samba artist upon the scene and he steals his magical formula from the villain and hands it over to our hero. Story ends but this is only the beginning of a saga. And so it so goes on, right? It does. He has even some suggestions for the cast. Uh, which is um, a little bit ambiguous, you. Because, if you ask me. Yes.
1: Uh, Biko, much, much appreciated. As I, unfortunately, we have to cut things out a little bit. Uh, but yeah. as I said, you, your lengthy feedback... Oh, um, um, ah, yes. Um, yes, yes. Um, um, yeah, um, emails are appreciated. Mm. And Biko, as I said, the, the offer still stands. Please come on the show.
0: Hmm. But he I'm also has lost. has has a he does yes please come on show um and if anything to correct Chris on his pronunciation of git t apparently as it's meant to be pronounced yeah <laughs> um, um,
1: maybe I'm wrong
0: maybe well he's, he in his in his um feedback he mentioned uh, it is pronounced as g and well, t well, as you in t he so, says so, Dr yeah.
1: Zimoun he doesn't say Chris Martin does a difference
0: ah yes.
1: But don't worry about it. Is this, okay. is this
0: some, <laughs> some, some dodgy relative of yours who does <laughs> <Whatever>. cheap operations? <laughs> I
1: can't go into details, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't worry about these uh, these mm. details. When we installed, and details will be in the forthcoming episode of <laughs> Linux, of something called Linux In-Laws, when we installed this Gitea thing, we mm-hmm. just called it Gitea. Of course, I may be totally wrong. Maybe it's Gitty. I don't know. Uh, but
0: all will be revealed in the, in the Gitty or Gitty episode.
1: You see, the trouble, of course, with Gitty, if you replace a single consonant, you're in deep trouble. Mm. So, uh, yes. Gitea might be the better approach to this one. And Biko, cool, let me explain a little bit of, uh, about the flux capacitor. Of course, you're spot on. The numbering mm. actually was fucked up and there's nothing else. Uh, there's nobody else to blame than just me. Uh, not, not, even, yeah. not even the post-production oh. stuff, no. Oh, okay. Because they are, th- that stuff is not to blame for that mistake. It, I take the full responsibility. Because, you see, Martin cannot uh-huh. fire me. This is the important
0: this, bit. Ah, I see, I see. No. No, he can't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> want to anyway. <laughs> even better, Martin, even better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be not very... Um, Excellent. nice. As
1: usual, people, if you're listening, uh, of course, mm. we do love you and appreciate your feedback. So the, mm, fee- the email address is feedback at Linus If your work, if you want to send us money, please get in touch with <laughs> us via, via mm. sponsor yes. at uh, linuxinlaws.eu, whether you're IBM, uh, Microsoft, Microsoft, or just a yeah. sole listener. Exactly. We may be thinking about setting up a Patreon scheme to be confirmed during the course of the year that may, in contrast to other podcasts, give you an ad, not an ad-free version, but an ad-plus version with more ads at the end of the episode. So if you want this, (laughs) please get in touch via feedback at linuxinlaws.eu so we can see what we can do about this. Yes,
0: we can introduce some ads. Exactly. (laughs) The funny ones,
1: (laughs) if you know what I mean.
0: Yes. Yes, that sounds excellent. Plan, see, actually.
1: Yeah, exactly. You see, other podcasts basically mm. give you an ad-free version if you put money on 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 Patreon mm. on this, and we might as well flip that corner around and say, no, look, if you want to have more joy and fun, simply give us money because that we that means more ads.
0: Well, we could also do it the other way around. We can put up some some annoying ads, and then if people don't want them, they can also pay us money. <laughs> That might Martin, work. Yeah, yeah Martin,
1: you were on this department, right? The department of annoying ads.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we can come up with some of those.
1: No, I mean, sorry, I thought that was already in existence. I mean, I saw a member with your with your headcount in it, and you and you just had ten people. Are you insane?
0: Ten people? Well, there's someone has to make the tea. Why, yeah. why,
1: why? 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 Why do you need ten people? Well, for I want, to to need tea, ten want to make the tea? Want to make the coffee? <laughs> not... No, it's, I mean, why do you need ten people, people for annoying jobs,
0: ads? <laughs> Want want to uh, yeah uh, set the desk up and set things like that. Martin, mm. no, th- video, video crew, not, yeah. no video crew. Yeah, this is not the way it works. Yeah. He,
1: there's a guy called Dennis Torvalds. I don't know if the travel him.
0: arrangements. It's, it's it's all complicated stuff, you know.
1: No, it's not. Martin, there's a guy called Dennis <laughs> Torvalds. Yes, I don't know what if that is. Isabel exactly. So get what, in what's touch you have with, him. Do
0: with our ads.
1: Get, get in touch with him and basically <laughs> saying Jeez. that Nvidia is sponsoring us. That should do the trick. <laughs>
0: You think?
1: <laughs> and simply record his, 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 his comment. That's an yeah. annoying ad. You know uh, I, mean.
0: yeah. I think we have a few in the bag already, anyway, of, of those. Perfect. Of, we can and that,
1: of course, <clears throat> concludes, yeah, concludes the feedback. And as I said, keep hmm. them coming. We appreciate keep them coming. Yeah. Yes. Very much appreciate it. And with that, I would like to thank Neil Johnson to be part of this. Thank you very much, Neil, for well, making I an appearance. Think.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And uh, thank and you for the project as well. Yeah. Yes, Very
1: and thank you for your contribution to the World worldwide revolution.
2: <laughs> we're, we're doing our best. We're doing our best. One day at a time. This is
0: the Linux in-laws. You come for the knowledge. But
1: stay for the madness. Thank,
2: thank you for you listening. listening.
1: This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license Tap attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters, for the song Salute Margo, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under Creative Commons at Jamando. A website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts.
2: You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR is kindly provided by anhonesthost.com. The Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Sharealike, 3.0 license.